This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn here on Mitch Marathon Month. And uh, joining me on the phone is Mick Cripps of, well, formerly of L.A. Guns and now of The Brutalist. You should definitely check out their debut album, The Brutalist. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, and everywhere else where you can find good music and co-hosting. And I don't do a lot of co-host spots anymore. It is from Jet Boy Billy Rowe. Their new album, Born to Fly, came out earlier this year. And, of course, do check out JetBoyRocks.com. Uh, Billy, I'm, I'm surprised you're still there with that long introduction, but uh, bonjour, as we say in Montreal. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. It's been a... I, I know you listen to the show. It's been a long month, <laughs> this month of July. Yeah, you got it. Exactly. I got some catching up to do as well, so... I'm but, telling uh, you, putting out a, an episode a day is 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 crazy, but yeah, that's a challenge. That's challenging, you know. So it's but you're doing it, and there's some great ones out there. There, there the, are the Nuge and Tom Worman. Nuge and Tom Worman was like that was over the top. Great, loved it. That one was great on many levels. First of all, the conversation yeah. between between Nuge and, and Worman were were fantastic. But yeah. You know, I, I had Ted on the week before, as you know, and he's like, "We should, we should get Tom Worman on the phone and and do a uh, producer artist uh, discussion." And I went, "Yeah, sure, I'll get Tom on the phone. Don't worry about it." And and, and, and I almost got a feeling that he was like, "Sure, you will." And mm-hmm. uh, I dialed up Tom. Tom said, "I'll do it." And I got him on the phone, and and, and you heard at the beginning of that because I played the whole thing. He's like, "Is this really right. Ted?" I go, "Yeah, it's really Ted." <laughs> not a joke no what what, what, what yeah. kind of like i'm gonna pretend i'm gonna prank call tom Worman with a fake tet no, no. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> right and then i and then i sat uh, back for I, I really i literally said nothing for 45 minutes yeah they were going at it it was good it was you could tell it was like a a, a nice reunion for them they were enjoying their yeah, They're talking together. You know what? I need I need to yeah. um, email Tom and ask him how long it had been since they've actually spoken because obviously public and private is very different and publicly they probably haven't yeah. been seen together for 20 years. But who knows? Maybe Tom phoned Ted like two weeks before. I mean, you know, who knows? But uh, it was yeah, it was it was interesting. True. So what what is going on in the world of Jet Boy these days? Born to Fly, which was a great album, came out in January what's next uh well we've just been doing spot shows you know flying dates and we did the cruise you know that was our first monster rock cruise we did in uh what was it february of this year and we got a new video coming out for old dog new tricks which is like the third or fourth song on the new record and we're hoping that's gonna be released in the next couple of weeks and we have some shows coming up in september in uh salt lake and in denver and uh and then we're just going to keep on keep on rolling along, doing as many shows as we can under our personal lives that we have rolling on the other side of our lives, you know. And then uh, we're writing new stuff for another record. And then we've got a couple other ideas we're doing on actually covering a song that uh, we're working on and seeing if we can get the artists involved and all that, which is a total out-of-the-box thing for uh, a rock band to do the way we're going to do it. So we'll see. We'll see if that will come to life. So. Is it a a great cover of an L.A. Gun song? <laughs> no, it's not an L.A. Gun song, but you know that, that would that would be fun. That would if be we fun. did that, I would for sure get Mick Cripps in on that one. 
Right. So so let's talk Mick because it, you're you're not co-hosting just randomly. It's not like hey, let's I'll just have Billy come on here. You know Mick. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with Mick? I, I, you still play in a band with him, correct? Yeah, yeah. We're we're in a covered band. We're called the Plunkets, and it's it's a fun and funny band. And we just uh, it's a friend of ours who uh, started the singer who started the band a few years back, and it's all the proceeds go to suicide prevention because his our singer's good friend, but also a friend of ours, killed himself uh, going on like five or some odd years, and that's when this band came to life and. Plunkett's is a former football player of the Raiders, and he was a big Raiders fan, and blah, blah, blah. So we get together at least once or twice a year and do shows up north, and we just did one down in L.A., and we just play, like, from Elvis to The Clash to Iggy Pop to ACDC to Judas Priest. It's, like, all over the map. And we just have a, you know, it's a gas. We rehearse, and it's just no pressure, no trying to, you know, sell out the room just to go and have a bunch of fun like you're in high school. Wow. <laughs> Great. Well, that's actually, and, and it's for a good cause. Now, I don't know if you heard the episode I did with Alan Niven and Ginger Wildheart uh, talking about their attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought mm-hmm. that was a, I thought that was a, a, a powerful uh, episode. And, and I have to say uh, openly, I'm disappointed that none of the mainstream media sites picked up on it because it was an, right. it, it was a great opportunity for them to, uh, you know, talk about Alan's story and talk about Ginger's story, but also raise mm-hmm. uh, the suicide um, prevention awareness, and they just all skipped on it, which was yeah, too bad. I mean, I, I know on that one, yeah. Alan, you know, Alan's audio on that was a bit rough because he was in a strange place where he called from, but still, the content was there, and, and it sh- it, somebody should have mm-hmm. said, hey, you know what? If it happens to these guys, it, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Great cause, yeah. though. Well, you know, it's a great cause, and who knows, that could be a, a lead to something that will go to something bigger. So, you know, it's almost like creaking the door open to that with artists coming out and talking about it. And, and Ginger's very vocal about it. I'm a huge Ginger fan, and I know him. And, you know, for him to talk about all that, and even Alan, that, that takes a huge, courageous uh, step to come forward and to talk about how you yeah. feel and what's going on in your life like that, you know? So. Big reveal. Anyway, yeah. um, not to discount that that conversation, but let, let me get back to Mick Cripps for a second. Um, during the interview, we talk about his new band, The Brutalist. We focus on The Brutalist. There's not a lot of L.A. Guns mm-hmm. content uh, as mm-hmm. as per his wishes. Um, mm-hmm. Are you friendly with the L.A. Guns camp? Do, do you know the guys? Were, were they... You must have been sort of competing for club spots back in the day and, and, and stages back in the day. Or, or how, how do you see yeah. that band? Yeah, well, L.A. got, well, we go back to the early days, and it was uh, as it was with a lot of, uh, we were from San Francisco, and we used to play L.A. a lot. And uh, so these bands would come up north to San Francisco and play with us. And then we would you know play with them in L.A. So there was plenty of times where L.A. Guns was opening for Jeff Boy in San Francisco, and few months later we'd be opening for them in uh, in LA. I think they even opened for us in LA back in the day. And this is way back when Paul Black was a singer and it could have been when Mick Cripps was playing bass. You know, and then he switched over to guitar later on. But we have a long history. We used to rehearse next to each other when we got record deals at SIR and the same week Phil Lewis joined LA Guns was the same week Sam Yaffa from Hanai Rocks joined Jet Boy. 
And so we were all fans of both bands, Girl and Hanoi Rock. So I have to remember Tracy and I and Nick and all of us going like, wow, can you believe this? You know, a year ago we were sitting around, you know, drinking and smoking and having fun at, at clubs and all that, worshiping these bands, Girl, Hanoi Rocks and so on. And now we each got one of these guys in our band. So we have a, a very similar story in that part of our career, you know. That's amazing. And yeah. Yeah, that, that that's great, and you're right. You're you're staring at their albums, going, "Man, I want to be them." And then they're in your band. You're like, "Oh, well, they want to be us." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's How crazy. cool is that? Um, I know. Have you heard the Brutalists? Have you heard Mix the Brutalist album? Yeah, yeah, I've heard the. I've, I've I think the Plunkets and the Brutalists did uh, one of the first Brutalist shows up north at uh, at this party we did. And uh, I've seen the Brutalists a few times. But actually, I have another cover band called The Butlers, which the set list you would love because we do everything from high and dry material to, you know, tons of cheap trick and thin Lizzie and UFO. But we just did uh, a double shot weekend last, not this last weekend, but the weekend for, for this down in L.A. It was The Butlers and this band, uh, Joe Normal and Annie Towners, which Joe Normal was from the, uh, the Zeros. Purple Hair Zeros back in the 80s, and then The Brutalist. So we just spent uh, a fun little weekend playing some little dumpy, stinky clubs. So hey. it's fun. And The Brutalists hey. are great. I love The Brutalists. Yeah, you know, I, I I hadn't heard the album until just before the interview in terms of, like, you know, a week before the interview or whatever. And I told this to Mick. I can't think of any other word to describe it other than it's fun. It's it's not mm-hmm. a hard rock album. It's not a, a whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. It, it's they're just yeah. having anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. let us let us get over to uh, to Mick Cripps, the the one and only. And for yeah. that guy in Maryland at the M3 Festival, which by the way, Jet Boy needs to play in 2020. Uh, Eric Baker, Eric Baker, to. if you're listening, I know. <laughs> right? Eric. Eric, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get a he's gonna get a text about it. <laughs> yeah, he is. Eric, please, <laughs> yeah. uh, br- bring back Jet Boy. Uh-huh. Me, me and Billy need to meet in person. That would actually be cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's gonna be fun. And and well, like a, a rock talk there. Oh, there'll be well, unless you're in catering because I don't get catering access. So I'll, I could stare at you through the window and hope you bring me a cookie. But uh. <laughs> oh yeah, well we'll make sure you have cater access in for that. I know. I mean, really. We're gonna have to have a. Yeah, we're gonna have to have a meal, and we're gonna be talking about the babies and I know. Tony Hatch and all that stuff. So Ooh, we'll talk uh, stuff here. Yeah, we'll do all the uh, the Canadian bands: April Wine, Honeymoon Suite. Oh. You're a big Canadian. Oh, yeah, What's the word for it? Canadiana? Well, Canadian Canuck fan. You're a big Canuck fan. I don't know what you would call it. I don't know, but I gravitated to a lot of those bands, not really realizing it till later that wow, there's lots of these bands are Canadian. And who knows, uh, there hasn't been a Canadian band on M3 in a while, so they might bring back the Killer Dwarves or something, and so we could actually mm-hmm. sit and uh, eat with a Canadian band. Well, you can sit, I'll stand outside the glass and stare and go, oh, come on, yeah, come, exactly. on. come in. The Canadians only. Canadians uh-huh. only. But, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, let us get over to uh, to Mick, uh, uh, and like I was saying, this one fan in Maryland who said to me, it ain't the real LA Guns unless Mick Cripp is there. Well, here you go. Here's your wish. There you go, exactly. My, my, your wish yep. is my command. Uh, folks, uh, the one, here is the one, uh, the only, guitarist extraordinaire, 
Mick Cripps. We are speaking with uh, the brutalist guitarist Mick Cripps. Mick, I must say, this has been an absolute pleasure uh, setting this up and 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 talking to you because uh, longtime fan of your former band and the new album which came out in 2018, August 31st of 2018, is just a fun, fun record. I mean, how else do you describe the brutalist? Well, you know, it's a group of people that. Uh, been playing with for a number of years in different bands or just jamming or recording situations so it was very loose and easy and they're all good players and um, like Nigel I've known since the, uh, the 1980s when I lived in England and we were playing in bands together that's how long I've known Nigel and he was always a bass player but he participated in these long tedious jam sessions we'd have and and, and we'd throw them on the microphone uh, once in a while just because we somebody wasn't singing or whatever and he just started doing it more and more and it just kind of evolved naturally and and the other guys i play with are all really good accomplished musicians so we could pretty much do anything and we just played or wrote music that we really enjoyed uh in terms of like what we respected uh from all our years of being uh i guess music fans and you know your influences so it was uh it was very easy and i really enjoyed it i still enjoy it we have a new album our second album, The Brewless, titled We Are Not Here to Help, coming out on September 6th on Cleopatra Records. So we're just uh, playing some shows, performing the new music, some of the new songs. And the new record is a big step up from the first one, even, if you can imagine that. It's uh, really good. I'm really very proud of it. Everybody is. And uh, we're doing another tour in England in October. Um, so we're looking forward to that and uh, having a good time with the Brutalist. So talk to me about establishing a new band, but also ultimately a new brand, because as we know, there's, you know, a few versions of L.A. Guns running around. And it, it's certainly easy for you to jump back into that and be part of it. But you're you're going the new music route with a new band. How is it for you trying to establish a fan base and getting the word out and saying, this is what we are. This is the music we're playing. No, it's not L.A. Guns music. No, it's not whatever London Choir Boys music. It's Brutalist music. How difficult is it in 2018 and 19 to get a new band up and running? Well, uh, you just have to have low expectations. You, you just don't jump back into the fold and play large shows and things. We just play small clubs and bars, which is actually really fun. And people from the past and new people show up and they, and the main thing is just watching the response. And if they don't walk out and, you know, that's the great thing about being uh, in the music business versus something like the art world, uh, immediate response. So, you know, if you're succeeding in what you're trying to put out, put across by uh, just the, the audience reactions and it's immediate, um, you, you, there's nowhere to hide, especially in a small bar small club where people write you know in your face so it's very uh responsive and, and it, it's it's um uh, it's kind of um it's something that i've always done it, ever since i left the alley guns way back in the 90s uh i immediately went off and did other projects completely different like burning retina which was more of an industrial electronic thing and then i done another couple of albums that were completely different so this is just a another uh i guess another project or another uh direction that just it happened spontaneously and this band the, the 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 musicians like i said are accomplished enough where we just 
can play anything we pretty much want. So we play uh, what we enjoy to play. We're not we we're not careerists. That's not the goal, you know, because uh, you know the musical landscape is different. We're older, so it does none of those things equate or matter. So what happens? You get a musical purity that you actually enjoy, and and the music comes across pretty uh, naturally, easily, and it's it, it's it's fun, really fun and uh, satisfying. It really is. Brutal. So it, it's brutal, the brutalist. So so for folks yeah. that know you from the other band and for and know Nigel Mogg from the Choir Boys, there's a certain sound that comes to your ear and go, aha! It's going to sound like this. It's going to sound like this song. How would you describe the sound of the Brutalist? Because uh, honestly, uh, I've listened to it, and I told you before we started recording, there's really only one word for me, and it's just fun. Y- y- it's just fun. <laughs> it's hard to describe I, I, other I, than that. Yeah, I think it just comes out of a lot of jam sessions, because, I mean, for the past seven or eight years, we'd have these mammoth, tedious, long jam sessions in my studio at my house, and, th- and there'd be a different group of t- uh, people coming by, and we play obvious jam songs, but then we, you get tired of doing that. So you start throwing in music you haven't heard or thought about for a long time. And usually those were the ones that were the funnest to play and would stick. And eventually the, 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 the certain people that were joining in on these jam sessions started coming more and more. So there was a field developing uh, amongst the players and it really kind of grew out of a nucleus of guys that just showed up and played and got the vibe right so it was quite natural and easy so um so we kind of dug into the past i was always fans of lots of different bands that kind of never were very popular here maybe in the united states but were popular in england because i lived there for a long time bands from the uh the late 70s on these the early 80s and late 70s like dr feelgood and um some of the more um kind of london-based pub bands so um it it was it was neat to re-explore music that hadn't really considered or listened to a long time and actually play it and and we still do a a few covers of some of these songs we used to jam on a lot of the the original material kind of developed out of that enthusiasm so when you're enthusiastic about a bunch of music that that's not necessarily yours it's very inspiring and it helps you you know create and it comes quickly. You have to labor It's a drag, and it never comes out that good. This stuff all pretty much exploded. We have, like I said, we already have our second album coming out uh, on September 6th. And th- this record's gr- I'm really proud of this next one. It's just got some fantastic songs on it. I'm looking forward to that. Now, I, I, just, just for my listeners, I'm going to say one thing, because everybody's going to say, well, you've got Mick on the phone. Why are we not talking about L.A. Guns? Well, because... It's a brutalist interview, and I want to focus on the brutalist. But I, I'm going to tell you this story. I was I was out at M3 uh, to see the Steve Riley Kelly Nichols version of L.A. Guns, and I was talking to a fan in the stands, and he I was expecting him to say, "Well, he looks at me and he goes, it's not L.A. Guns without.'" And I thought he was going to say St- uh, Phil or, or Tracy, and he goes, "It's not L.A. Guns without Mick Cripps." So there is still a great appreciation and love for what you did with that band back in the day doesn't doesn't that make you feel good or doesn't isn't that great that the fans still love you uh, yeah absolutely it was, it was a great experience and we were very lucky because we we did it, it the timing was incredibly right 
You know, I mean, it was just the right time to do that kind of music. And, um, and we had a blast doing it and, uh, and it went on for a long time. And like I said, those guys are still out there, but, um, but it, it is, it is something that I don't look down on. It's definitely something that was, a. I mean, the experiences we had together and the places we traveled and, you know, it, 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 it is, it is something that, um, you know, not too many people, um, <laughs> can do or have done, you know, to be in a professional rock and roll band that travels the world for a number of years and get actually paid for it. So, yeah, there's nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that. Believe me, good career choice. It, it, it was, things were different back then, you know, it could be a career, you know, it's, it, 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 I feel a little bit sad for the kids these days because, uh, because of the internet and everything and the, the probability of making a career out of music is more difficult, but there's other ways people do it now online and things. So it's a, it's a, just a, a different landscape. But, um, like I said, we go out and just bash it, bash our ways through bars and clubs playing this music, the same approach we would have had back in, you know, uh, 1988 or 1990. So nothing's really changed for us because we're from a different generation. With that said, right. um, it, 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 it's a lot of harder work. You know, you sweat and work as you're older, but it's great. It's exhilarating. Yeah. So, so let me talk to you about some of the bands that you've been uh, with outside of, of the lag uh, camp. Uh, you did Burning Retina. Um, yeah, which which was a great record, and it's still you can still download it. That was on Cleopatra. Uh, I mean, Charlie Clouser and Sean Bevan and Chris Bradshaw. He's a was an old friend of ours from uh, from England, from London. He's great voice. He as a he was an amazing singer. Unfortunately, we only had the opportunity to make one record, and it was kind of sandwiched between the industrial music thing that was happening in the mid to late eighties, nineties, um, and. Um, that it kind of has that stamp on it. So it, there is a bit of a time stamp of what type of sound that record produced, but it was a great record. There's a couple songs on there that are just fantastic. And the lyrics that Chris wrote, um, are exceptional, exceptional. He was a great lyricist, great singer too. So that was a good one. Yeah, it, it really was. But, okay. So let me ask you this because, you know, when you were in LA guns, you had a certain sound. It was, you know, the sort of sleazy, dirty rock and roll, everything you've done since, and correct me if I'm wrong, but everything you've done since has been very much not that, uh, Talk to me about the different musical directions you've taken and, and why you've taken them. Because, again, it would be very easy to just plug in, turn up the Marshall to 10 and say, well, hey, here's sex action number two. Uh, talk to me about doing different stuff with uh, Burning Retina, with the Brutalist and, and establishing a new sound for yourself. Well, you know, if I if I wanted to do dirty hard rock, I'd do it with those guys again, you know, because they they do it well and. And uh, if I wanted to do that, I'd play with those guys. But uh, they're off doing their thing. And, and there's a lot of other different musical directions to explore. And I was doing some film music for a while. That was that was all right. It's not the same as being in a group or a live situation. But then I was in a couple other bands up in San Francisco. And I played in different friends' bands between here and, um, and the Bay Area a lot. And... Um, it's just it. I it's just my preference, you know. I like to mix things up, always change things around, and and not get set in one particular style or direction. It it just 
it just keeps it more, um, I guess, uh, in, I, I would say interesting, but it just keeps right. my attention more. In the, you know, it keeps me focused more. If, if it's the same thing over and over, it gets dull, and and then I think the creative process gets stale, and then that's been people start disliking each other, and that's when I usually get out of that situation, when, when, that, when that staleness sits in. Yeah. Oh, I, I can imagine. So speaking of the brutalist then, what does that mean for the musical choices you make with the band? You, you know, you said that album two is more mature, uh, better, or you know, or you're, or you're prouder of it than the first one. Do you move? Yeah. This? Okay, go ahead. Oh well, like I said, I, can, I know the questions. With, with these guys that I work with, they're 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 all much pretty much the, on the same, um, I guess, musical level in terms of like what they want to do too. They they're all playing in other groups and playing in cover bands and whatever their 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 musical tastes are all across the, the board i mean from every category so i mean the next Bruce album could be something completely different we might change it just for the sake of changing it you know just to throw people uh curveball because it really doesn't matter like i said we're not taking approaching this as careerist or anything with this it's just putting out music that we like and if people like it that's even better you know what i mean so we're not really tailoring it for any sound or any group of people you know and we're older so there really isn't a scene to play to you just play to anybody i mean every, every nightly when we play it's it's completely different every night there there isn't like a a, a type of fan that comes and sees us you know what i mean it's 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 all across the world. It's it's diversified as the internet is. There isn't that solidarity amongst audiences. I think as much uh, anymore has been for a long time. So it doesn't matter. Those thoughts are you know only brought up when you know people like no offense, but when you do interviews because you got to try to figure who you're talking to. You got to kind of figure it out. So that's the best way I can explain it because we just played it so many different types of people it doesn't really matter if we have a direction or not you know i mean we just play music right and and, and so I, I always when i when, when i do interviews i sort of say well are, are you going to be more like acdc and put out the same album for for you know 30 years or are you going to be more like you too <laughs> and just sort of go with what what feels right and so i yeah, guess i, I guess probably decide on that that approach but nothing nothing against having the acdc approach either or oh no like what the the LA Guns guys are doing. They're 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 sticking to their proverbial guns and right. and and keep a certain audience, and that works for them. You know, so that that's enough, just another another way to do it. You know, and, and, and again, like you said, there's nothing wrong with it. And ACDC by playing stadiums certainly has proved that there's a market for what they do. Yeah. <laughs> probably far you know than anything I've been talking about. So they you know they're. Yeah. There's the, the point I'm trying to make. There isn't any written laws anymore like there used to be when we were, you know, when we were careerists in the music business. Well, sure. When you came up and and you were in L.A. Guns, they said, "Ah, okay, you're a Sunset Strip band. That means you got to wear this kind of clothes and you got to play this kind of song. And oh, you need the power ballad yeah. because that's what MTV's playing. So let's get to it, boys. I mean, but yeah, we're 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 past that. That doesn't. Well, yeah. it might exist in the pop world or maybe the, you know, the 
country rock world, but or modern country, whatever they call it. But it, it's certainly not part of what we do anymore. Um, you you mentioned writing for movies. Talk to me about that because I know a lot of musicians. You know, Phil Lewis went off and did stuff for Fox. Uh, Brad Gillis does stuff for for TV and, and commercials as well. Uh, a lot of guys do that. Was that something that was challenging for you? Is it something you'd like to do? Because you you could make a lot of money and sit at home and not have to deal with yeah, interviews. It's just another experience. It was this fact because I was working at a music publishing company after I was out of LA Guns, and and there was those opportunities to do. Um, you know, more like trailer work and, and sound effect work for, right, and show reels for um, sports and television things, you know, background music. But it was presented, hey, do you want to do this? Sure, I'll do it. You know, so I did that for a little while. Worked with a, a few different musicians. And that was that was back in the earlier days of um, home recording and when, you know, Pro Tools had just taken over the recording process. So it was also a, a learning curve in terms of like learning all the new t- recording technology back then and just having the ability to kind of not rely on a big studio. Uh, you know, those days are gone as well, but it was, the, that was the beginning of that, you know, the late eight, late nineties. So it was just another experience in the whole, I guess, um, realm of music, you know, yeah. you learn how to do it yourself and, you know, it, then it, helps you on in the future i mean like these these fruitless records we recorded ourselves in our own home studios and then we would record certain things at a at a, at a, um, a studio a small uh, vintage studio in downtown la that we used and we mixed there but most of it was recorded like in my home studio or or in the other guitar player kent's uh, uh, uh studio and we would do all the editing ourselves being kent and pretty much do all the, you know, the producing, the production and everything. And then the final, the finality of it was all mixed in the, uh, the, the analog studio that we used downtown. So, I mean, it all, it all paid off in the end because you can make great records these days for just a, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Whereas back in the day, records were average a hundred to $200,000 and, so I, I, in hindsight, I look back and most of that was just padded on and, you know, jacked up your recording debt to the record company. You really didn't need it. <laughs> Even back then, you didn't need it. So I, in, in some respects, the, the way the, the music world has evolved is, is, is healthy. I dismiss the, the, um, the focus of how things were. Whereas today, it, like I said, everything is very more uh, fragmented. So you can't really keep up with anything. Like I, I used to pride myself being able to know everything that was going on in the music world. You're right? Oh, well, this guy's playing with this band, this new music stuff. Now it's it's really difficult. It's a it's a it's quite a job to figure everything out. The, the, the you know the diversification of, I mean, just in rap music, there's a hundred different genres of rap music. You know, let alone rock music and electronic music and. You know, even you know, every genre is so uh, fractionalized, and it, but it's also interesting. It, it takes a long time to get through it. You know, and and with iTunes and and streaming services now, you you know you have you have five thousand record stores in your hand. You know, so it's 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 quite mind boggling. Oh, it, it, it's think, it, it's amazing. Perspective and compare it to how things used to be. 
Well, I mean, just think like for this interview, you know, in the old days when I had to do an interview, either the record company had to send it to me. And if they didn't, I'd have to go down to the record store like a Towers and try to buy it. For this one, I just went over to Spotify, I typed in The Brutalist, and it was there. And I went, yeah. yeah, this fucking works for me. I like this. And and here we are. Yeah. You know, <laughs> didn't have to leave the yeah. didn't have to leave the couch. It was perfect. Yeah, I made a, a fraction of a fraction of a microcent from you listening to it. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, by the way, uh, since we just let me just plug this uh, facebook.com forward slash the brutalist band. Uh, that's brutalist with an S, uh, the brutalist band on Facebook. Do do like that page and follow the band. Um, you have got in there, Robert. What's that? You, you, in the band, you have got um, your brother, correct? He left the band. Oh, he left the band last. When we returned from our English tour last year, uh, he left the band. We, we replaced him with a, a friend of ours from England, uh, Luke uh, Bosendorfer. He's the new bass player. And um, he was in a, uh, a band with Guy Griffin called Glimmer and a number of bands. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's been around for a while. He's a great guy with you know, another friend from way back. And um, he'll be he, he's, on, he's the new bass player, Luke. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, let me let me still ask you the question anyway. But how was it being in a band with a brother? Because that that's usually either a great combination or it's a horrible combination. How was it for you to be in the band with a brother? I have a lot of empathy for the Gallagher brothers. Put it right. that way. <laughs> right. That's all I can say on that. Okay. It so be, it, for some brothers, it might work. For the Gallagher's, it didn't. For the Crips brothers, it didn't work. He, we, it wasn't good. It, it and was. that's just, yeah, that's just a death that's between me and him. It wasn't anything to do with anybody else, but it, you know, and he's my twin brother. That's a, that makes it even more difficult. Wow. Okay. So, um, in terms of musical the direction, is the Brutalist sort of the the be all, be all and end all for you, where you want to quote unquote retire or ride into the sunset as a member of the Brutalist? Or is this just uh, another band on the music? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I mean, if we if we stop doing this for a couple of years, we'll pick it up again. You know, it's that that it's that friendly. You know, so so it doesn't really matter. I mean, um, but it's, it, I tell you that it, it, the thing that that that's really rewarding about it is just the music. I can I really enjoy. I can actually listen to the songs. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, a lot of musicians say this. You know, they. The, it, it, it's hard for them to listen to the music again and again after you've already, you know, you've been performing it and you've recorded it and you get tired of it, obviously. But I, I haven't gotten tired of any of this music yet. It's all really good. I really like it. So that that's a good thing. So, so uh, That's a great thing. And, you know, it's a little bit like uh, like doing these interviews. I will listen to them as we're doing it now and then I'll listen to it as I put the show together, but I, I don't sit down in six months and listen to past episodes. Do, do you pull out any of your past records, wh- whether it's uh, with Burning Retina or L.A. Guns, or, and listen to them and say, yeah, you know, that was pretty good, or, ooh, what was I doing on guitar? Thank God I've matured and can play it better now. Like, do, you, do you sort of critique your own I, work? Yeah, I do that with the, the Burning Retina record a lot. Late nights, if I'm out on the computer or something and I'm spacing out, I'll put on a, a couple, two. There's two or three particular songs on that that um, that album that uh, you know when I go back and listen to them, they really are. Yeah, they really blow my mind. 
So sometimes I do that, but not often. If fans want to play along, what uh, what are the songs here that that, that you hold on here? I'm gonna oh, I'm oh. gonna find it. The Frozen Lies, right? Right, right, right. City All right, of the Dead. All right, the song there called City of the Dead. Yeah, song number two, City of the Dead. Okay, and which is the other one? Portrait of Charlotte. Oh, so the first two. Okay. Yeah, the painting that eats people. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. Mick, Chris, Chris, the singer Chris Bradshaw was an excellent lyricist. He wrote some phenomenal lyrics. He, he did, and I, and I do uh, I do suggest that folks go check that out because, um, you know, Cleopatra has been one of these companies with. Um, they they sort of stayed under the radar, but they've always put out these interesting releases. Um, and I'm forgetting the name of the guy who owns it. Um, Brian Pierre. Brian Pereira. Pierre, right. He, he's he's got a great sense of vision. You know, he, yes, for a while he did all the tribute records, and then he started doing the you know the 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 the, the, the boom, yeah. right? He, he has that catalog. Yes, a monstrously big catalog of. Uh, of um, artists and, and music. And now he's in the film business. So he's, he's putting out a lot of movies. In fact, we went to one of his premieres the other night. He's, he's involved in a lot of things. I've known Brian forever, ever. Since I moved back, since I moved here from, you know, in the late eighties from England, he used to work. Uh, he used to, uh, he was doing in the clothing and, and, and kind of the peripheral areas of the music business. And he used to do things with, LA Guns Force, and then uh, he started his own record label, and, and then his wife Yvonne, and uh, it just it just grew. It's just, he's still doing it. It's great. He's one of the big indies that are still there. A lot of them fell by the wayside, but you know he's done really well, and he's still doing well. Yeah, and and I got to say he was always exceptionally nice to me. I remember one time he, I think it was in Marina del Rey, where they had their their factory or whatever their yeah. their warehouse and he invited me down i mean i'm from montreal and he invited me down and he said just uh, go through the factory and, and just pick out whatever cds you want now i could have probably walked out with 100 or 200 cds i picked like 10 or 15 and he was like yeah you can just have those you're, you're welcome and i was like oh okay well thank you <laughs> you know so no nothing but good things for about for him but uh, yep. uh nick this has been an absolute pleasure and i and i do encourage everybody listening Go check out the Brutalist album that came out last year. It's the Brutalist, the Brutalist. It yeah. is fun. And the next one is coming out in September. Uh, yeah. Musically, uh, even though it's evolved a bit, is it sort of still the same vein, you know, with the, the fun stuff? Or did you take a little bit of yeah, a right turn? It, there is the, the nuggets on there that are, you know, what you would expect just from knowing the first record. New and improved, obviously, but there's some other music on there that I was really surprised at. And um, um, I, I'd like to speak with you again after you've heard the new record and get your opinion about it. Yeah, well, feel, feel free to send uh, me some to, demos. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. I, I'll, I'll, I'll send you an email in a minute, and we'll we'll sort all that out. But also, we have a website too, uh, the brutalist.net. So that's just kind of a condensed little website, but it lists. You know, um, tour dates and and it has the uh, it has actually has a Spotify playlist on there, so you can listen to the records. But it, it has information about the new album coming out and everything. We are not here to help. That's the title. Yeah, yeah oh, here, oh, here we are. 
Uh, Brutalist.net, uh, new album release date, September 6th. We are not here to help on Cleopatra Records. And uh, there oh, and there's an official video for Know Your Value, uh, Form and Function. Uh, great stuff. Jun- Jungle Nasty. By the way, Jungle Nasty is a great song. That is a, yeah. that's a fucking great song. Well, we have our first single coming out in about, God, about just three or four weeks off the new album called Take It All Away. And there's a video um, that's done that'll be released in about three weeks. So that'll come up on that website and it'll be on YouTube. Check that out. And then uh, there's actually two more videos that we've almost finished that be part of this this new record. So the first one, Take It All Away, comes out in about about three or four weeks, just around the time of the, the release of the album. So definitely look out for those. That's great. And uh, Mick, I'll, I'll just say this from, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Thank you for the interview today. Thank you for all the music over the years. I have listened to to everything you've played on, and, and I've, I've enjoyed it. And to that fan in Maryland at M3, you know what? You're right. How did you pay him? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't pay him anything. I, I thought I just thought that was amazing. It was, it ain't if it ain't if, if Mick Cripps ain't there, it ain't. And I just thought, yeah, okay, you're right. Why not? But uh, there you go. Uh, as we say in Montreal, merci, monsieur. Thank you so much. Merci. Right, uh, now I'll be in touch. Thank yeah. you. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk. 